all I got. Thank you, Bubba. Thank you, Bubba. Hey, uh, let me ask a question. How many grew up in church? I, and here when I say church, here's how I grew up in church, see if you can identify. I was there every Sunday morning. Did not matter. Uh, I was there Sunday night. I was there Wednesday night. And I was there Saturday nights. Come on, can anybody relate? I grew, I grew, went to church. Now, now again, how many grew up going to church? Come on, come on, come on. Participation helps. Because y'all know if y'all participate, I preach quicker. Um, thank you, thank you, Harvey. But we know you didn't grow up in church. No, no, no. So, hey, uh, here's the thing. Those that grew up in church, did you ever stop and wonder, why do I do this? Why do I, what is church really about? What, what, what is the purpose of it? Or were you like me? It's just what you did. So you went. You didn't know the whys behind it, the, everything that w- went along with it. You, you just didn't know. Now, now let me ask you this. Kim, again, don't answer. Uh, growing up in church, how many knows what today is? I know you know. What is it? Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday. Here's what, it, here's what today it co- commemorates. It commemorates the day that uh, after Jesus' resurrection and he had told the disciples, hey, go into the upper room. And they went up there. When 120, they went up in the upper room. Holy Spirit fell, tongues of fire, all that. And then I, that's what it commemorates. But it commemorates also the birth of the church. The birth of the church. And I, I didn't even remember that today was Pentecost Sunday until I got a text from my friend David Copeland, who, who's a missionary that we support. And he was telling me, and I was like, oh, man, I forgot. And I thought, how, how ironic that on the day we commemorate the birth of the church, that God has me uh, do a message, does church really matter? Does church really matter. And here's, here's why we're talking about this. Because going to church, belonging to a church, has gotten to a place where it's being challenged. And with, with, do I really need to go to church? Do I really need to belong to a church? Is me attending a ch- local church, is that really important? And I think it's being challenged because we've defined church improperly. We, we, we don't say, what the, our definition of church is not really what Jesus intended the church to be. And here's the thing, how you know, you know this, if you don't see something properly, you'll inter- interact with it improperly. You'll approach it improperly. And here's what I mean, if you're taking notes, is this, church is a house, not a restaurant. Well, what do you mean? If I approach my house like it's a restaurant, I come in from work, I sit down at the table, I sit there, I'm like, man, these people are slow. Nobody's brought me a menu. Nobody's asked me what I want to drink. Nobody's brought chips and salsa to my table. Amen. Amen. I'm, how many know if, if, if the way I view my house is like a restaurant, it won't take long before I become frustrated with it. Because I'm sitting there, why are my needs not being met? Why am I not being served? Why are things not going my way? I will become frustrated. The same if you view a restaurant as your house. I challenge you. 
Today, when you leave here, wherever you eat, walk into that restaurant. Go straight back to the kitchen. Start making your own sandwich or whatever. Get in the fridge and let me know how that works out for you. Just don't ask me for bail money. See, how we view something determines how we interact with it. And if we don't interact properly with it, we will get frustrated. We will get uh, aggravated. And, 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 and I believe that's what's happened to the church. I believe the church is missing out on a lot of the benefits that the church has to offer because we, have, we don't see it correctly. We don't see it correctly. I believe a lot of people that call this, and I, I'll just warn you, listen, you're going to have ample opportunity today to get offended. I'm just going to be honest with you. Online, you're going to have, listen, even, this is not just for the in-house. Online, your product may get more offended than the people in here. But I'm just going to give you what the Bible says. Is that okay? And I'm just a messenger. But I believe so many people that call this place home, call Watts Bar Church home, people that, uh, that uh, view us online are missing out, even being robbed from the benefits and the fullness that God has to offer by not really being involved in the local church. Now, Kelly, you're just being legalistic. Well, you know me. I am very legalistic. I am the resident Pharisee. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I just think that over the past few years, if not longer, we started approaching church very casually. As really not that important of whether I show up or not. And we've given it definitions that may sound good, but they're not the whole truth. How many, how many know this? Church was not man's idea. You know, it wasn't like after the resurrection, Peter and some of the other disciples were sitting around thinking, hey, what can we do now? I, I know. Let's start having weekly meetings and where we'll gather people in and then we'll tell them why it's important for them to be here so that they can go out and get other people to be here. Okay, that's, that's wow. What are we going to call it? Church. No. How many know that church was God's idea? His idea, not man's, not ours, not an organization. It was God's idea. It, it was the church. It, it was birthed with an encounter with the Holy Spirit, Pentecost Sunday. In fact, do you know where the church gets its first mention? Matthew chapter sixteen. You know who first mentions church in the first place? Jesus. Jesus brings up. Church, the word church, it makes its first appearance here in Matthew 16, 18. You may be familiar with this. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my what? And the gates of hell will not overcome it. The first time, here's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the global church. The global church. That's what he's talking about. And then two chapters later, he starts bringing it down to the local church. Uh, verse, Matthew 18, verse 17. If they refuse to listen, tell it to the what? And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. See, back then, it's not like now. Back then, they didn't like tax collectors. <laughs> now we love them. Um, the first place we've got to start, if we're going to understand the church, is this. Jesus is the head of the church, and Jesus is the one building the church. 
Jesus is. We've got to start there. Jesus is the head of the church. He's building it. Look at Colossians 1, 17 and 18. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the what? Of the body, the? Jesus is the head of what? The church. The church. See, we live in a democracy, right? I mean, we, we vote people in, and we just had a local election, and basically we, we try to vote people in that think like us, right? That are, and now you don't see this on a local concept, but nationally you'll see this where whoever's running, they've got a team that will go out and do polls. They will do surveys, and basically they're trying to figure out what is this demographic, or how do they think about this, what are their opinions on this, and what they're trying to do is build a campaign that will attract those people to them. Are, are you following me? That's what they're doing. And I believe, listen, politicians don't really tell you what they think. They tell you what they think you think and what you want to hear. And, and that's why the South looks so much different than California or New York. We've got politicians here that say, oh, here's what our people want. Uh, or the majority of them, and then you got people in California that are heathens that, no, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, but that's why it looks so different, because they're saying, what does they, this group of people want, want to build? What kind of community, what kind of state do they want to be? And that's what, that's what we're used to, democracy. Here's the problem, one of the biggest issues and, and the culture of the church today, even here at Watts Bar Community Church, is that we want to ask God, or we want God to ask us, what we think the church should look like. We want God to ask us, hey, what do you think, what kind of church do you think I should build here? How should it operate? And here's the problem. The church that we belong to, the church that Jesus is the head of and that he's building, it's not a democracy. We didn't vote Jesus in and we can't vote him out. He's not up there taking polls and surveys saying, hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? He, Jesus is the author, the designer, the brains behind the church. Him, his idea. And I think the church has lost a lot of its power and influence because we have tried to redefine what church really is. And we'll talk about that more in a moment. I understand there are those online, those say, I understand there are real, legit reasons why people can't come here physically. I get that. I, I completely understand that there are reasons, but I believe there are far more that use the pandemic as an excuse, thinking it was a reason not to start coming back to church. I don't expect a whole lot of amens today. In fact, here's one uh, report I said, the Q3 uh, church report said this, in-person attendance is only 30%, 36% of what it was before COVID. The percentage of Gen Z who prefer physical gatherings post-COVID, 41%. 42% of millennials say they prefer in-person worship. 
Barna reported that one in three of practicing Christians have stopped attending church since COVID. One in three of practicing Christians. Another article said this. There are probably more reasons why churchgoers won't return to church after COVID. But in my opinion, what unites them all is the lack of a compelling motive to go to church. In other words, they're not seeing the church accurately. They're not seeing the church what it was intended to be. One post said this, uh, that, that, that people don't really want to come back to church in person. They would just rather be online. It's funny to me that church is really one of the only things that people prefer to do online. I'm going to be going to a concert. I'll be uh, going to see Shine down here in a couple months. I would much rather... Be in that audience than watching it online. Here in September, Tennessee football season kicks off. I would much rather be, be sitting by somebody that is sweaty, that stinks, that looks... I would much rather be there than at home watching it on TV. But they say, hey, it's better, on, better online. Here's a good question. When do we start taking polls to determine what kind of Jesus, what kind of church Jesus wants to build? And I'm, about, I'm not going to be very PC this morning, so I just want to, and if you, you know, I know, Kelly, since when are you ever, but today may be even worse. This mindset of what the church is now, I believe it has made the church unrecognizable to Jesus. That he wouldn't even recognize the church that he died for and built. That he's the head of. Why? Because we build our churches, our services, our programs around what people want instead of what Jesus really wants. Oh, you don't believe me? That's why if, if I preach something you really don't agree with, oh, you can find a church that'll agree with you, and you'd rather go there because they agree with whatever you want to your life to look like. Because we're redefining it. We're redefining it. We want what people want. And if Jesus is the head of the church, if Jesus is the one building the church, and we want to know what kind of church he wants to build, I think we ought to go to him to find out. Amen? Amen. And now listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about styles and preferences. I believe that God has given a lot of freedom to us when it comes to different styles and different preferences. There are a lot of churches in this area that have a different style, a different preference from us, and I celebrate those churches. I thank God they're here because they're reaching people I never could. Are you with me? But I believe no matter what your style is, no matter what your preference is, there are some non-negotiables when it comes to what the church is supposed to look like. And we find them in the Bible. Remember we talked about this last week. Definitions matter. Man, I hope y'all get this joke better than 9 a.m. Because they looked at me like I had three heads. Um, not that that's unusual, but, but, but it, there's a story about this woman who was going to paint her house. And so she went to the hardware store. And she, she saw this guy that was, looked like he was dressed in a painter's outfit. So she just wanted to get his opinion. So she got her little color palette, went over there and said, Hey, what do, you, what do you think about this? I'm thinking about painting the house this color and the trim this color. And the, the painter said, well, What about an accent? She said, Hey, I'm thinking about painting the house this color. And 
How you define accent matters in that. Come on. Some of y'all still don't get it. You're, going, you're Googling accent. What does he mean right now? Definitions matter. Here's why I say that. Because when you look up the word church in the, in, in the dictionary, here's what it says. A building for public religious services. A public religious service in such a building, any division professing the same creed and acknowledgement as, uh, i.e., a Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. That's the world's definition of church, a building, a religious service held in a building, a certain denomination. That's, that's the definition of the world. But when you look at the church, if you've been around church, you know, you know that church is not just a building. Are you with me? The Greek word that gets translated to church. And you, how many know, well, I don't want to get into that because, man, that'll, that'll really mess with some of you. I didn't say it at the 9 a.m., so I'm not going to say it here. Uh, but the ch- word church is not really the word Jesus used. The Greek word that gets translated to church there is ekklesia. That's when Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. And, and, and here's the start of the misconception. When we don't understand what Jesus actually said, it's easy to misconstrue what church is. Here's what ecclesia means. Ecclesia means assembly. Assembly. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my assembly. Assembly of God's people. The, get this. The word church, it's only used in church circles. When Jesus said ecclesia, he was borrowing a secular word that was used all over, the, all over Rome. Why? So the people could understand what he was talking about. Uh, here, here's how ecclesia was used. Uh, in Acts 19, man, you've got, uh, there's some riots being created because of Paul. Paul and them, they're, they're telling the people, hey, quit worshiping idols. Well, guess who gets mad? The people that make the idols because they're getting them with their money. And if you mess with somebody's money, they start getting mad. And man, they just start, this guy named Demetrius starts spreading these rumors about him. He's got everybody in an uproar. And then in 19, verse 26 of Acts, look, it says, and you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus in practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are no gods at all. So Demetrius gets them all in uproar and they took these two men. They couldn't get a hold of Paul. So they took two of his guys. They said, well, we can't get him. So let's get two of his followers. And look what it says in verse 32. The what was in confusion? The assembly. Guess what Greek word that is? Ecclesia. The ecclesia was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most people didn't even know why they were there. Sounds like a lot of church meetings I'm in too. The assembly. And then uh, the ecclesia was in confusion. Seven verses down, they say this. Verse 39. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in the legal uh, or ecclesia. Two verses down, it goes on. <coughs> After he had said this, he dis- dismissed the ecclesia. Jesus, when he said church, was actually using a secular word. Ecclesia. I will build my church, my ecclesia, my universal church upon this rock. When you do a study on the word ecclesia, here's one of the definitions it gives. I love this. 
a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public assembly. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes to a public assembly. Here's a great definition of what the church really is. The church is God's assembly of the called out ones. That's what the church is. See, Jesus used this word ecclesia for a reason. See, here's what, when, when an ecclesia was called, every town, every villager, every person knows, hey, we're making a decision, we're making a law here, and we're having an ecclesia. Here's what they were saying. Whatever you've got going on, it's not important right now. You need to gather at the public square. You need to gather at this place for a purpose. So when Jesus... Man, I hope you're getting this. When Jesus said, hey, I, I, upon this rock, I'll build my ecclesia. He said, I'm bringing the global, but I'm going to use the global to build the local. Or the local to build the global ecclesia. So what that means is, hey, you've got stuff going on. When I call ecclesia, it's time for to put those things aside and join. Because there's a purpose in what we're doing. Are you tracking with me? And get this. They were called out for a reason. For a purpose. When, when you show up here at church on Sundays or Wednesdays, what if we began to show up with that in mind? It's not just church as usual. It's ecclesia. Hey, I've got, I know I've got a lot of things I could do today. It's Sunday. I've got a lot of stuff I could do today. But man, ecclesia has been called. The God is calling the called out once for assembly. And I've got to get there. What if we, that, that began to be our mindset, that church wasn't just something we'd done out of routine or because we grew up in the South, it's just what you do, but because there was a purpose in what we're doing here, a purpose in the gathering. When, when you read through Acts of the New Testament, you see that the universal ecclesia that Jesus is talking about building, it manifests itself through the local, the local ecclesia. You see it throughout all the New Testament. In Acts 11, it's talking about the good news being preached to Antioch. And they've got so many people coming that they're like, we've got to get somebody here to teach. And look what it says in Acts 11, 25, 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For the whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with what? The church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, and taught them great numbers. What's he talking about here? The local, the local church, the local ecclesia. They're in Antioch. The church is a gathering of believers, an assembly of followers of Jesus that come together for a purpose. In fact, the word assembly is probably a better definition for what we do than what the church is. Look at the definition for assembly. A group of people gathered together in one place for a common purpose. That's what Sundays and Wednesdays is. We gather for a common purpose in one place. Well, Kelly, isn't church more than just a Sunday gathering? Absolutely. It absolutely is more than that. But gathering together on Sundays, I'm telling you, is vital to your faith walk and growing in it. It's vital. There's a phrase that gets thrown around, especially over the past couple of years when we've been redefining what church is. And it sounds really good. It sounds really spiritual, but it's only partially true. Here's that phrase. I'm the church, so wherever I go, there's the church. 
That sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? And it sounds really good, but that's only partially true. So yes, you are part of the global church. That's absolutely true. Uh, but when he talked, when Jesus talks about building the ecclesia, it's an assembly of people. Uh, of people, is church more than just Sundays and Wednesdays? Again, absolutely. But again, they are vital to your faith walk and growing. Last Sunday, let me explain this. Last Sunday, um, Denise had our family over, our kids over. We cooked out. We we uh, were in the pool, man. We played. Zion wasn't able to be there. April and Josh and Eliana, they weren't able to be there. And man, he, here's the thing: What if Zion had called me and said, "Hey, Dad, can't be there." Can I zoom in? Can you put me on FaceTime? Could he do that? Absolutely. But you know what? He'll see it all, but he's going to miss out on some great conversations that's happening, happening around the table. He's going to miss out on the trash talk we're doing as we play basketball in the pool. He's going to miss out on Casey uh, doing some stupid things off the diving board that's sending him back to the doctor. Uh, he's going to miss out... On all those things. Why? Because, yeah, can he view it online? But he's not going to be able to taste. He's not going to be able to experience a lot of things that are happening right there. Are you following me, guys? And, and he said, now let me ask you this. Is, is Zion, is April, are they still part of the family? Absolutely, they're part of the family. But they're missing out on Ecclesia. So people that... that, that Show up at church every once in a while or, or don't come. Are they part of the family? Absolutely. But man, they're missing out on the fullness that God has for them. Are you hearing me? Man, I heard one, one, one leadership guy in the church that I follow, and I like a lot of what he says, a great leadership guy, but he, he made a statement, I, I guess it started a couple of years ago, he'd been kind of preaching this, to, is that uh, online church is the church of the future that pretty much this right here is going to go the way of the dinosaur. And my biggest problem with that is that's not how Jesus defined church. It's an assembly. It's not online. And again, I love my online audience. I'm grateful that the work that Bob and the rest of the team put into, we have spent a lot of money to make that on, our online presence great. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that online lets us connect with, with, with people from all over our country. We've got people that watch us all over the country. And I'm grateful for that. If you're watching and haven't tuned me out yet, I'm grateful for that. There are people that watch us every week. We've invested a lot of money. We've got a whole team of volunteers. Every week, we've got about 10 volunteers that show up to either run cameras or work our media booths. Why? Because we do believe it's important. But you've got to understand this concept. When you're watching online, you're only standing on the front porch. You're not in the house. Online works great as a supplement. But supplement is a key word. It's supposed, supplement's supposed to add to whatever you're already doing. It's a great supplement, but it's a terrible diet plan. And when we begin to define churches online, we begin to redefining what Jesus called it, an assembly and a gathering.
He created us for community. He created us for assembling. There are things, there are nutrients we get when we are together that we do not get watching via online. Well, since y'all like that so much, I might as well wait out a little deeper. Here's another thing that gets said that uh, sounds really good, sounds really spiritual, but it's only partly true. Hey, where there's two, three followers together, that's the church. That's the church. Sounds great, but it's not entirely true. I believe God has called churches of all sizes. I believe he's called small churches. And yes, I even believe he's called mega churches. I believe he's called churches of all sizes. But when we begin redefining church uh, as me and my, a couple of my friends getting together and watching online as church, we're missing what Jesus called the church. If I haven't offended you yet, I may have. Imagine this, Paul writes his letters to the church. I didn't even say this at 9 a.m. Don't know why I'm saying it now, but we're going somewhere. Writes his letters to the, he writes his letters to the church. Well, they, they get delivered to the church there, and you've got Johnny over here that says, Hey, when you get down those letters, can you send them to the house? Man, a couple of guys just want to sit here and read them. No, because what Paul had said was for the assembly, or for ecclesia. Half, half the New Testament uh, is Paul writing to churches and giving out. See, see, I had this conversation with my son Zion, I think it was this past week. We were talking about home churches and things like that. I'm not against those things, but here's what I'm saying. When we begin to think, call things church that Jesus didn't define as church, I think we get in trouble because half the New Testament is Paul laying out the structure of what ecclesia is supposed to look like. There's five-fold ministry. There are elders. There's accountability in line. There are things that, that are supposed to be there. Are you, are you following me? Are, come on, are you following me, Watch Bar? And I understand what they're saying, but in reality, when they say that, it's just partial truth. The scripture that gets thrown in that is Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Do I believe that scripture? Absolutely. But does anybody know what? Jesus talking about and dealing with. Read the verses up to that. It's discipline. He's talking about some church discipline that needs to be going on. But do I, I believe if two or three people can get here tomorrow night and we begin to pray, I believe God's going to show up. But don't mistake that for church. The gathering. Are y'all still with me? Paul knew this, man. There are things that happen in the room that you cannot get. Watching from a distance. Paul knew this in Romans 1. Paul wants so bad to go back to Rome. Look, look what he says in Romans 1, 11 through 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul is writing. It's his version of online. Uh, he said, I'm writing you these letters. I'm encouraging you through these letters, but I have got a longing to come to you because there is something that I've got to give you that cannot be uh, given to you through letters. It's going to take an in-person. It's going to take, there's some encouragement. There's some strength that can only take, that take place when we get together. Are you listening to me? Now, Marshall Siegel, uh, writer and managing editor of DesiringGod.org, it said this in an article called, I long to see you, what Apple will never replace. 
He said this, I suspect that while new technologies have made many new things possible and many old things easier, they have not translated into deeper, more intimate relationships. All 13 of the Apostle Paul's letters he wrote to real believers in a real place during a real part of history, his letters were personal, written to people he really loved, often when they were the most difficult to love. Then he goes on to say this, one refrain in his letters that he wrote caught my attention as I thought about intentionality and communication in our relationships. Paul says, I long to see you. He says, Paul says something like that to the Romans, the Philippians, the Thessalonians, to Timothy. Paul clearly believes his letters, cutting-edge technology in the first century, are limited in mediating love. In his mind, being face-to-face facilitates real love in a way technology can never replace. He goes on. But haven't our devices solved Paul's problems? Allowing us to see someone halfway around the globe with a simple Wi-Fi connection? No, I believe Paul would write or tweet the same thing today. While the ability to see someone in Cincinnati, Winston-Salem, Los Angeles, Cameroon, India, or the Philippines, for that matter, is truly remarkable gift from God, it does not and cannot replace the power of time together in the same room. Look what Paul says again. I long to see you. If I can get Bubba to come on up. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And that we can encourage one another. He says, I've got to get to you. There, there's this spiritual gift that Paul knew could not be given through a letter. It had to take place face to face. He knew there was a supply of strength and encouragement that could not be imparted through any other way. Physical presence, assembling, ecclesia is what allowed Paul, Timothy, you and I to get together, encourage one another, love on one another, lift each other up, pray for one another. It allows that. Man, we, we found this out even when they're kids. Remember the pandemic, our kids had to stay home and they started doing it online? For a while, it was great. But then we discovered it's not as great as we thought. It wasn't just bad for the kids. It was bad for the teachers. It was bad for the parents. Why? Because there's something that happens when we're physically together that cannot be done online. I think the thought of church as just a place where we gather to get information about how to live or what we need to do or that it's just a place where we come to hear some music, listen to a message, say a prayer, and go about our day. There's so much more going on than that when God's people are ecclesia. When God's people are ecclesia, you experienced it here. His presence is so real. The power of agreement is there. There are breakthroughs that happens there. There's healing that happens there. The Word of God gets exalted through song and through a message. Yeah, listen, you can go deeper in small, small groups. You can go d- deeper in those things. And, I mean, that's why we're doing our, the, the Monday night study. And this fall, we're going to really dive into more small groups. We believe you can go deeper in those things. But there is something special that happens when we come together at Ecclesia.
God, we cannot give a new definition to church that takes away from what Jesus called the church. We can talk about different styles, different preferences, how long a service should be, whether we sing hymns or modern worship, whether the pastor should wear a suit or T-shirt and jeans. Uh, those things are not the point. All those things are preferential. But we cannot get away from what Jesus originally, his original design of Ecclesia. Upon this rock I'll build my church. Ecclesia. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I wonder, church, if the reason, if the reason that church is losing ground is because Ecclesia was never meant to be an individual. It was never meant to be spectator sport. You know, um, I, I, I enjoy video games. I've got a PS5. I play video games. I know I'm old, but I still enjoy them. I, a couple of years ago, I came in. My son, Zion, was watching this YouTube channel of somebody else playing a game. And I've discovered that is a huge thing. There are YouTube channels with millions of followers where they just watch somebody else play a game. Here's my concern. Is that's what the church has become. Where we watch other people get involved. We watch other people serve. We watch other people do this. And then we confuse that with the real thing. We've, we've confused that and thought that was deep connection. And we would rather watch somebody else play than actually do it ourselves. We do staff meetings about every other week. We'll do them through Zoom because 90% of our staff has full-time jobs. So we'll do that. Does it get the job done? Absolutely. But man, it's so much better when we get together. Even Faye, who's not here today, uh, 80 years old, she said, can we go back to having staff meetings on Wednesdays? See, I miss everybody. Why? Because there's nuances. There's things you don't get online or through Zoom that you do when you're together. Listen, online, I get it. There are legit reasons some of you are watching online. And I want to be clear about that. There are those that don't live here that watch us online. There are those that have got real medical conditions that because of their health, they can't be here physically. There are those that are sick, and I get that, and I'm good with that. I just want to remind us that that's the front porch. That's not the house. It's like, it's like me inviting you over to my house to watch a game. And you, we're, we're all, I've got a group of people, we're watching the game, and you want to stand at the window and just peek in. See what's going on. Do you still see the game? Yeah, but man, you're missing out on high fives. You're missing out on trash talk. You're missing out on hot wings. You're missing out on a lot of stuff that's going on. Because you choose to just stay on the porch, not in the house. I don't think online has made us more connected. If anything, I think online, social media, has caused our country more division than unity.
And when Paul writes uh, to the church and says, I long to see you, I'm trying to, my best to get you. Get this. He even tells the people, hey, some things that have happened that are hindering me from getting to you. But I just want you to know I am trying to get there. I am doing my best to get there. I wish that's how we went about our Saturday nights. That we woke up on Sunday morning, man, I long to be with my people. I long to assemble with those the, the other called out ones. I have this urgency to just to be there. And I wish it would get to the place when we if we missed a Sunday, it wasn't because we weren't trying to get there. Paul knew that there was something that happened in the context of the local ecclesia. There was a blessing. There was encouragement that could only be given and happen in that context. Stand with me across this pillow. I just wonder if the way we've defined church now, where Jesus said it's ecclesia, a gathering of the called out ones, has it become a gathering if something better is not going on? A gathering if I don't have something else to do. And we've missed out on the fullness, the blessing of what comes with this. You know, I don't mean to disrespect Drake at all, but I said this at 9 a.m. I witnessed the power of Ecclesia yesterday. I witnessed it. I sit there and I watched tons of people in this church wait in line. And get this. You know, when we, when we walked you up to your mom, the moment your mom saw us, she said, we're going to need you more than ever. And I watched my wife wrap her in her arms just begin to pray over her. And get this. Courtney doesn't even come to church here. But she benefited from ecclesia because her son is a part of this body. That's the power of Ecclesia. But I watch, man. I, I watch it as, man, people from our body, people from other church would come up and say, we're here for you. That's Ecclesia. That's the body of Christ at work. And here's what's great about that. If they couldn't make it to Ecclesia, Ecclesia went to them. Went to them. Guys, we've got, I, I think one of the things we've got to do, we, maybe it's time we repent for taking church so casually and making it just something, hey, if I can, I can. Because we've lost what Jesus said. Hey, I've come to build the church, the ecclesia, and I need the local ecclesia to help me build the global ecclesia. See, the people that are going to be, this morning, David, or last night, David Copeland, a missionary we support, had texted me. You know what makes it possible for him to, to be going to Africa here in two weeks? The local ecclesia. The local body. that says, we want to partner with you. I'm telling you, it is vital. You want to grow your faith? Plug in. Plug in. Realize that Sundays are not just about what we do here in the South, but it's, hey, hey, hey. It's a gathering of the called out ones for a purpose. This here, it can wait. I've got, I've got a lot of more hours after church. I can, you're on hold till I get back from 
the assembly of God's called out ones. I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads because I'm guilty of this myself. I have taken church way too casually at times. You're the pastor. I know there are times my wife's made me come. I don't want to go. Why should I go? Because you're the pastor. That's why I got Casey. No. But we do, we take it. Because a lot of times we think it's about how we feel rather than God is trying to get us to a place where exactly what we need, the reason we don't feel like going to church, if we could just get with that assembly, God says, there's things I'm going to pour into you right there that I can't pour into you any other way. So I'm just asking for honesty and realness today. No, bow your heads, let's do that, blah, blah. No. How many say, Kelly, I'm with you, I'm going to be honest. I've treated church way too casually. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Here's what we're going to do. Raise those hands up again. And you pray your own prayer. I'm going to pray, but you pray your prayer. Father, I repent for taking the church too casually. Father, I repent for making it something that, that, that you didn't design. I, I repent for, for not treating it as the assembly of your called out ones like I was supposed to. But Father, from today on, God, I, even if you have to remind me a thousand times, I want to remember what this is about. It's not just something we do on Sundays. It's not just a, a place we can come to have a good time. But there's purpose behind what we're doing today. You want to build the, the, the global church through this church, God. And I want to be part of that. And God, I commit to giving, to making, uh, making things better, to giving more effort to this, Father. And realizing that it's important that I be there. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Ben.